The following sermon, entitled Preaching Christ Jesus the Lord, was preached on the evening of March 6, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's turn to the Word of God in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Tonight's sermon text is in verses 5 and 6. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. My dear fellow believers, what do you expect of your minister? And how do you 
when you're talking amongst yourselves or when you go home of a Lord's Day evening, how do you judge His ministry among you or that of any other minister? What do you say about Him and His ministry? That He's easy to listen to? That He's good with the young people? That He's very friendly and approachable? man, that he has his house in order? What do you say about him and his ministry here? Or about any other minister whom you happen to hear? And I wonder too, Not only what standards you set for Him, but what standards He sets for Himself. Do you think that His great desire is to be like one or another of the great preachers who have served our denomination or one of the great preachers of the past and that he's disappointed and discouraged when he doesn't measure up to them? Think he judges his own ministry by your response? To his preaching? By how carefully you listen to him each Lord's Day? What do you do? What do you say? When you're outside after the worship service talking about the worship service, and especially about the preaching of the Gospel. What do you think? He thinks of himself when he goes home of a Lord's Day evening. Now, not all of those things are bad. Many of them are good things. But they are not the standards by which we judge the ministry and preaching of the Word, nor may they be the standard by which He judges His own ministry here, or the standard by which any minister in our denomination, outside of our denomination, is judged when he brings the Word of God in the preaching. The standard, the measure for any preacher of the Gospel is here in the Word of God. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Christ's sake. Every minister of the Word must do his utmost not to please the members of the congregation, but to live up to that standard. And you and I must judge the ministry of those who bring the Word to us by that same standard. We 
preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. So the theme for tonight's sermon is preaching Christ Jesus the Lord. And I want to talk about that calling that a minister of the gospel has, but I want to call talk about that too in comparison to what Paul says in the opening words of verse 5, we preach not ourselves. In fact, we're going to start with that this evening. And then focusing especially on verse 6, we're going to look at the reason why it's so important that both the members of a congregation and their pastor take verse 5 to heart and make the Word of God in 2 Corinthians verse 5 the standard for the preaching of the Gospel. And then finally, Focusing on those last, verse, those last words of verse 5, we're going to look at the fact that a minister of the gospel, in striving to live up to that standard, must be the servant of God's people. So those three things tonight. Paul begins by saying we preach not ourselves. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking there about a minister who preaches the gospel, perhaps even preaches the truth, but preaches in such a way that the focus of his preaching is on himself and not on Christ Jesus where it ought to be. With the result that the members of the congregation, perhaps without even realizing it, become followers of Him rather than of Christ Jesus the Lord. Not an uncommon problem in the church. And one of the things, perhaps the thing, that most often gets in the way of preaching Christ Jesus the Lord. Because, I trust you understand that, you cannot, a minister cannot preach both himself and Christ Jesus the Lord. They're mutually exclusive. He's doing one or the other. That's not to say that God doesn't draw, as the saying goes, draw a straight line with a crooked stick. He can use even the preaching of a man who preaches himself rather than Christ Jesus for the salvation of his people. But that does not make a minister who preaches himself a good minister of the gospel. A minister can do that in many different ways. In verse 2, Paul is talking about a couple of ways in which a minister preaches himself. 
when he talks about not walking in craftiness. He's talking about the minister there, and they're always around, who uses his own cleverness as a minister of the gospel to focus the attention of the congregation on himself. Perhaps his cleverness as a student of Greek and Hebrew and Latin so that the members of the congregation say, what a learned man our minister is. He, as Charles Spurgeon once put it, instead of laying his Greek and Latin and Hebrew at the feet of Jesus, he nails them over the head of Christ. That's one way. Or perhaps through clever language, he attracts the attention of the congregation, but the congregation doesn't see Christ in his preaching as they should because all the focus is on him. And his ability to bring the Word of God. And you know that ministers use all sorts of things to catch the attention of the people. Clever things. That's really what the word craftiness means there. But the end result is that the people who listen to their preaching become followers of a man and not of Jesus. Paul talks in verse 2 about those who handle the Word of God deceitfully in order to please the congregation, to make sure that the congregation accepts them and what they say. They leave certain doctrines out. They dull the sharp edges of the truth, the truths of God's Word, so that the people of God say, for example, when the doctrine of election was preached, I never heard it presented like that and don't realize that what's been presented to them is something that is not quite up to the standards of the Word of God. And so with many other truths of Scripture. Or they twist the Word of God to their own ends and do that because the members of the congregation, and that's true of all of us from time to time, have itching ears, as the Bible says. And so they do what the prophet Isaiah refused to do. They speak smooth things to God's people instead of the precious truths of the Word. I expect that today there are ministers who are really preaching themselves by turning the pulpit into a place where the people can hear what they think about the war in Ukraine and other current events. Now the Word of God, of course, does reflect on those things. But if a minister 
having finished his sermon, is told that he really understands what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine and in other places around the world, understands those things much better than the political commentators. And he's been preaching himself, holding himself up as an expert in political and world affairs. All kinds of ways that a minister can be guilty of what Paul calls preaching ourselves. And as I said, the result of that is that the people of God become followers of, ma- of men. I don't think it was the fault of the preachers, but that was a problem in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says that there were those in the church of Corinth. And you can understand what that was doing in the church. Maybe have seen what it does in the churches. But there were those who were saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, Peter. And a few who understood a little better were saying, and I of Christ. That doesn't promote the unity of the church, but it's not preaching. If that's the result of the preaching, it's not the result of the minister of the gospel preaching Christ, Jesus, the Lord. You may not, you must not judge the preaching of the Word in this congregation by any other standard but the standard that the Apostle Paul sets here when he says, we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. Preach in such a way, first of all, that the people follow Christ and not the one who brings the Word. Perhaps you could think of it this way, that at the end of a service, if the people remember the sermon, better than they remember the man who brought it and how he brought it, then he's done a good job of preaching. The people go home ravished by the love of Christ and the beauty of Christ, and the power of Christ, and the glory of Christ. Then the minister has done what he ought to do, has preached Christ Jesus the Lord. And I hope you understand That when a minister preaches Christ Jesus the Lord, that doesn't limit him to a few passages of Scripture. A minister who is a good minister of the Gospel, when he preaches the Psalms, preaches Christ Jesus the Lord. And preaches Christ Jesus the Lord in such a way when he preaches the Psalms, that the people hear in the Psalms Christ speaking personally and intimately to his people as he does so 
wonderfully in the Psalms. When he preaches from Old Testament history, then he preaches Christ, Jesus, the Lord. Because the history of the Old Testament is the history of Christ. And that above all, no matter what he preaches, that's the content of his preaching. And I trust you understand too that those four words are the whole of the gospel. In a very real sense, there is no more to the gospel and to the truth of the gospel than what's in those four words. Everything is there. Who Christ is. Jehovah's salvation. What He does for the salvation of His people as their chief prophet, only high priest, and eternal king. Why He came into the world is encompassed in those words, perhaps especially in that word, Lord, the amazing truth that He came. We saw that in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 13 this morning, to purchase us and to make us His own property. The doctrine of eternal election is in those words. Remember the meaning of the name Jesus as it was explained to Joseph by the angel Gabriel? He shall save His people from their sins. And there too is the doctrine of limited atonement and all that belongs to the saving work of Christ as the one who offered Himself on the cross, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's all there. And that's what the minister must preach. That exclusively. Nothing but that. Now that means, of course, that when a minister is preparing a sermon, he has to make sure that he finds Christ in the passage that he's preaching on and shows that's the way our text speaks, shows the face of Christ in that particular passage to God's people so that they do go home at the end of the worship service, as I said, ravished with the beauty of Christ. That means that there may never be preached in this congregation a sermon that's Christless or in any other of the churches that belong to our denomination, or anywhere that God's people are found 
And if you hear such a sermon, you must say what the Greeks, those Greeks said to Philip just a few days before Jesus was crucified. Sir, we would see Jesus. That's all that we want to see. He is all our salvation and all our desire. Don't preach anything to us but Christ Jesus the Lord. All that the Bible says about Christian living, about holiness and piety and godliness, is in those four words. Especially, again, in that word, Lord. Because that means, that word means, that He owns me. He owns my life. He owns my mind. He owns my tongue. He owns my ears. He owns my family. He owns all that I am and all that I have. And my sole calling in life is to use everything in His service and to live for His glory. Those four words are the whole of the Word of God and must be the whole content of the preaching of the Word of God. The preaching may never be anything else. It's not entertainment. It's not a way in which our itching ears are scratched. It's not political commentary and comment on world affairs, although that can be spoken of in the preaching, in connection with the truth that Christ Jesus is Lord. But never else. And even then, the focus must be on Him and on Him alone. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, the minister who can say that, is a good minister of the gospel and must be judged in his ministry, both by himself and by God's people, accordingly, not by some other standard. And in preaching Christ Jesus the Lord, the preacher must also, that's at the end of verse 6, he must preach what Paul calls the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Christ is the revelation of the one true God. Christ is the revelation of God's justice and mercy and love. Christ is the revelation of God's sovereign power and authority. He has to preach Christ that way. And he could do that only by preaching the great truths of the gospel. I mentioned Matthew 1, verse 21. He doesn't just preach then the atoning work of Christ, but he preaches it in the bright light of the glory of God as the one who has chosen his people in eternity and given them to Christ, to be saved. 
He preaches exactly then what the angel said to Joseph. His name shall be called Jesus because he shall save everyone. No, no, no. Because he shall save his people from their sins. The preacher then, who is a good preacher of the gospel, not only makes Christ the focus of every sermon, but God in Christ. And he does that especially because this is the gospel. He does that by preaching sovereign, particular grace. When he preaches justification, that's what he preaches. When he preaches sanctification, that's what he preaches. The light or the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that the members of the congregation, when they come to the end of the service, say, not of the minister, but of Christ himself, never man spoke as this man. And then they receive the preaching, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. In fact, when a minister preaches the Word, he not only shows the people the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but he preaches in such a way that the people actually hear the voice of Christ. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And he does that by strictly limiting himself to the Word of God as it's found in the Scriptures. Then the people hear the voice of their Savior. Then they become followers, not of some man. No matter how fluent a speaker he may be, or how clever he may be in bringing the Gospel, but they become followers of Jesus Christ, who, as Paul says, in verse 4, is the image of God. And in whose face shines all the glory of God. And that's an important calling. Calling to which we all have to give heed. Paul explains why in verse 6, that little word for is the clue that Paul's explaining himself, explaining what he just said, explaining why it is so vital that nothing but Christ Jesus the Lord ever be preached in the church of Jesus Christ. For, he says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that the light of the gospel, 
that first light itself is to be found only in the face of Jesus Christ. And he's speaking to those who've walked in darkness and who know, if they know nothing else, know their need for that light, who know that only that light that shines in the face of Jesus Christ can dispel the darkness that's in their own hearts and minds. Only his light can do that. And who know that only the light that shines from the face of Jesus Christ can give them light as they walk their weary way through this world, this dark, sin-cursed world, that they will never find their way without that light. So that's what he's saying, first of all. There's light in the face of Jesus Christ, and there only, the light that we need. And then he says, God has caused that light to shine in my heart and in the heart of the other apostles and preachers of the gospel. A reminder, of course, that no minister can bring the gospel, unless he himself has first been a hearer and believer of the gospel. Unless the light of the glory of God has first shone in his heart. But God causes that light to shine in a preacher's heart in order, and that's the third thing, that the preacher may bring that light to God's people. That's what verse 6 means. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. First to the preacher himself, and then through the preacher's work to God's people. That doesn't make anything of the preacher. All he is, if you think in terms of light, all he is is a mirror holder. That's all. He ever is. Having that light in himself, he holds up the mirror of the Word of God so that the light that shines in the face of Jesus Christ reflects in the preaching of the Gospel to you and to me. In fact, Paul goes on to talk about that in verse 7. Talks about the fact that God uses some pretty poor mirrors to reflect that light to His people. If you will, mirrors that are full of scratches. Mirrors that aren't very smooth. We have this treasure. He uses a different figure there. We have this treasure, he says, in earthen vessels, clay pots. We ministers of the gospel are nothing more than clay pots. And that's the good pleasure of God. 
That's why more often than not, he doesn't choose the best orators and speakers to bring his word to his people, but uses earthen vessels. That, there may never be any doubt about it, that the excellency of the power is not of God, is not of us, but of God. And that's an amazing thing. That God's people are saved by the light that shines in the preaching of the gospel. But saved too in such a way that they give all the glory God himself, and not to the preacher. It's not very nice to be just an earthen pot, a clay pot as a preacher of the gospel. It's for that reason that the preacher of the gospel sometimes doesn't even want to get up in the pulpit. That treasure in this vessel for the sake of God's people, that's the reason Why he's often discouraged in bringing the gospel because he sees himself as only an earthen vessel who can never, as a mere preacher, live up to the glory of that gospel and of the word of God which he brings. But God does things that way, as Paul says, that the excellency of the power may be of him and not of us. And it is. Paul mentions God's creative work in the beginning. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And he mentions that Because it's by that same excellent power of God which He displays through the preaching of the gospel. It's by that excellent power of God. The same power that called forth light out of darkness in the beginning that He makes through the work of a preacher of the gospel, the light of his own glory in the face of Jesus Christ to shine into our hearts. And that's why, that's why it's so important that the minister of the gospel be able to say of himself, as a preacher, even in seeing himself as nothing but an earthen vessel. We preach, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's why you must evaluate the preaching of the gospel. Not on the character of the minister, or his fluency and oratory in bringing the gospel. That God forbid, because he scratches your itching ears. But you must evaluate the work of each minister of the gospel on that basis.
Allah. Now we've said one thing about those who bring the gospel, that they have to have the light of the gospel shining in them if they are to be that mirror that reflects the light of God's glory to God's people and dispels all the darkness of sin and unbelief and rebellion and disobedience. But Paul says one other thing about the minister of the gospel, that he must be the servant of God's people. And that means that he's the servant of Christ. He doesn't serve them because they're nice people or even because he loves them, but he serves them because he sees Christ Jesus, the Lord, in them. And the saving work of Christ Jesus the Lord in them. And serves them then as part of his service of Christ. That too is not easy. Not easy because of the pride that lives in every heart. But it's not easy either because that means that the minister of the gospel is at the back and call of God's people. Sometimes they have to come even before his own family. It means that he sacrifices himself on behalf of God's people. Nothing matters so much to him as that the people of God see in and through his ministry the blessed face of Jesus. That he's the servant of God's people means that he doesn't expect anything out of his work of preaching. Whether it be a favorable response, some financial reward, he does not preach for those things. And certainly not for the sake of his own reputation. But always, always that we may see and follow Christ. And you know, when he does that, when he preaches himself, your servant, for Christ's sake. Then in a very real sense of the word, he's preaching Christ Jesus the Lord by his behavior and in the way that he brings the gospel and by his devotion to the gospel. Because he's imitating Christ too when he does that. Imitating the one who, though he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and humbled himself even unto death for our sakes then insofar as the congregation sees him, notices him in bringing the gospel, they see Christ 
the servant of God's people, reflected in him, see Christ Jesus the Lord. So I ask you again, that's where we started. How do you evaluate the work of your minister or of any other minister? What do you expect of them? Ask him some time what standards he sets for himself. Make sure that this is the standard. Would you hold up to him? And would you expect him to hold up to himself? And I tell you, beloved, if that's the the way things are in this congregation, then the rest of this passage will be true too. If you see Christ in the preaching of the Gospel and look for that and expect that, above everything else, then you'll be able to say what Paul says in verses 8 and 9. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. For who, having seen the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as it shines in the gospel of grace, can be distressed, in despair, forsaken, destroyed, then, then you will be looking not at the things which are seen, and that includes the mess in which we live. Talking about the world in which we live then you'll be looking not at those things, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That's only going to be for a little while. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And then too, you will understand looking at those things that are unseen, which is really the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, you will understand that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So say to your pastor, we would see Jesus. But really, we don't want to see anything else but Him. And when In the gospel, you see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But don't be critical of the way that the minister brings the gospel of this word or that word 
misspoken, ill-spoken. But understand that God uses the preaching of the Word to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ to us poor sinners. God grant it. Amen. Father, we thank Thee for what we heard from the Word of God this evening. May what May our speaking and hearing be acceptable to Thee, not because we have done well, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we grow through Him and through the light that shines in His face, grow in grace and in knowledge and in obedience to Thy Word until we come to the glory that is promised us in the gospel and see thee face to face in the face of Jesus Christ. Forgive us all our sins and bless us as we go our separate ways. For Jesus' sake, amen.